What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello and welcome to the movie podcast review of Oppenheimer. My name is Shabazz and joining alongside me are my other physicists, Daniel and Anthony. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, it's funny. We're recording this during a massive thunderstorm right now and I'm hearing the ripples in the air and it literally sounds like an atomic bomb is being dropped far away from here because I'm just hearing the 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 echoes of it and the rumblings of it. It's really scary. And for the movie that we are talking about today, uh, I can't think of a more fitting environment to be recording in. Maybe something less scary would be better. I, May- I personally think. Maybe, or if we go to the Trinity, you know, test site, who knows? Well, if, yeah, you, I don't want if, any if you're watching this right now, we are the Holy Trinity. Shay's like oh, the father. There you go. Daniel's the son. And I'm the Holy, You're the Holy Spirit. You're the Holy Spirit. You are dressed in white right now, too. So it makes <laughs> yes. sense. I like yes, that. that I like sense. that a lot. You are the, also the last apparition I'm going to see before I die. I think it's going to be Anthony's face. Yeah. Because he probably killed me. It's, He'd it's probably all, be laughing over you. Right. Like, ah, that's, <laughs> that's probably what happened. Yeah. It was Eddie, me all how you along. Doing? I'm doing good. I, we, you know, I survived the Barbie Heimer week. I, uh, yeah, we, we. Sorry, the Barbenheimer, man. Barbenheimer. Sorry. Bar- I, I like to give it a different name. But yeah, like, you know, we were blown so, up. The it, wrong one. We were blown up by pink, uh, pink explosions, and now we are being blown up by an actual nuclear bomb. So yeah, yeah, we're here. We're going to talk about it. Can't wait. Yeah, it's very exciting. There's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of good movies that are that have come out recently, and especially this week. It obviously, is the Holy Barbenheimer week of all of all weeks. People have been memeing this. People have been building up this for a long, long time. But it's it's been so beautiful to see because it's really just promoted, you know, the love of going to a theater. Like I'm seeing people doing double passes to films. People that might go to the theater once a year are going twice in one day right now. So it's so beautiful to see. And I'm, I'm absolutely excited to see what people's reactions are going to be. Um, at the end of this review, though, we will give our recommendation of what you should watch first. You know, it might be different for all three of us. It might be the same. <laughs> Who knows? But we'll, we'll let you know. Should you watch Oppenheimer first? Should you watch Barbie first? And what uh, food should you pair it with? No, I'm just kidding. There's, there, there's some good pairing. <laughs> there's some good pairings for sure. And yeah. uh, it, it's funny seeing like, obviously, like, Going back in, in time, we've seen a lot of different of the, the fan mock-ups of the like, oh, it's the atom bomb combo and stuff like that. Like those are not real. Um, but Barbie, there are some really cool Barbie ones that Cineplex is doing, uh, like where you could drink out of a beach ball and you could have your popcorn yes. like in a Barbie box, which is pretty cool. Uh, but also to your point, Shabazz, Cineplex announced today that sixty thousand Canadians who have purchased tickets for Barbenheimer. Um, like that's that's the on record right now. About sixty thousand Canadians that's have a lot. purchased tickets for both 
Barbie and Oppenheimer, which that's is like all of the that's like all of Canada. That's basically all of Canada, really. No, but that's really impressive. And when you think of the time that we're in, where movie theaters are, uh, we really are in the best time right now to go to a movie theater. You could go to the theater and choose one of you know six movies playing and have uh, an amazing experience. There's more obviously playing, but there's so many. I could I could tell you six movies playing right now that deserve your time and attention. And you know, three of them just came out in the last week and a half. So it's 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 we're really in a great time right now. Absolutely, you know, you're absolutely right. And again, just to to focus a little bit more on on Barbenheimer here for a second, I want to give a huge shout out to our friends over at Laird Butter. They have this really awesome poster that they had on sale that was uh, drawn by the lovely Sean Longmore, who you know, I think all three of us own some of Sean's work as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a really cool poster. It's been going viral. And so you definitely have seen it online. Uh, you can check out their website. I don't know if it's sold out or if it's still available, but go I'm ahead. I'm checking check right out. now for you. I'm going to check right oh, now to see do. if it's still available. Uh, and they also it, had just recently coming out with their uh, Wes Anderson uh, issue as well. So definitely give that a look too. It looks like as of right now, I'm looking on their site. I am not seeing it under prints. So it's possible that they may have sold out of it because it was limited to, I think, 200. Um, oh, then it's yeah. definitely gone. So it's probably gone because I've been seeing that like on morning shows, yes. in interviews. It's like it's been it's been everywhere. So congrats to them. They they deserve it. They're awesome. Congrats. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, we want to give a huge shout out to our friends over at Universal Pictures as well for inviting us to come watch Oppenheimer. We have so much to talk about this movie. There's there's an amazing cast. Uh, we can even talk about how we watched this film because that really is uh, a point in this movie of, of the formatting of this type of film as well. So we'll, we'll discuss that as well. Before we do, I want to kick it over to Daniel for some announcements. Really quickly, I, I want to address, and of course, this is, this is, I'm speaking, but this is from all three of us this is from the movie podcast. You know, we know that there's a strike going on right now. The writer strike has been going on the last couple of months. The actors are now on strike and the movie podcast would not exist without writers and without the actors who bring their words to life. So we 100% stand with them on strike. They deserve to be paid and compensated for the incredible work that they do. So I'm really hoping and we're really hoping that this strike could end soon. That way, actors and writers could go back and creating you know, the wonderful things that we love, that we love to talk about here on the show. So we stand with them 100%. So we are obviously talking about this from a critical standpoint from the movie podcast for our review. So this, like, that's what you're going to expect from us. We're always going to be open and transparent about how we're watching things, why we're invited to things. We are movie critics as much as we don't like to think of ourselves or kind of have just those a hats on. Cool dudes, you know. You know, that's we're just man. Hold on, you said I, a, you I'm said not a, a critic, man. Cool you said no, nah, I'm not even. I'm not part of that life. We're different. <laughs> we're different. <laughs> I'm not. Part I mean, of but that. again, at the end of the day, we do have review in the title of this. We so, talk about movies. Like, we talk about movies. There you go. Uh, and we're going to talk about a lot of movies. And there are so many movies that we talk about in previous episodes of the show. Uh, we were talking about, you know, all the incredible movies that are out right now that you could go and watch. Barbie, check out our review for that. Go check out Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. We have a review. We have our interview with Henry Cherney, a.k.a. Kittridge himself. We had a great time talking with him. So go Check that out and make sure, as Shabazz said, follow us on all social media platforms. Those are the best places to see all of the stuff that we have going on, the great videos that we're all making, and just seeing what's what's going on with those crazy fellows down at the movie podcast. A couple, couple of crazy cool dudes. That's yes. all I know. That's us. 
Now there's a there's a lovely cast for for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. So do bear with me as I kind of list them off here. Of course we have the the amazing Killian Murphy playing J. Robert Oppenheimer. You have Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Rami Malek, Ben Safdie, Josh Hartnett, Dane DeHaan, Jack Quaid, Matthew Modine, Kenneth Branagh, David David Dasmalchian. Yes. I got it. Jason Clark, Gary Oldman, and of course, there's so many more. Oppenheimer will be releasing exclusively in theaters uh, July 21st, but you already knew that. This is a Nolan film. It will be available in IMAX, in IMAX 70mm, and also in regular screens as well. So if you do go watch it, let us know how you watched it, how many times you've watched it, and also in what format you watched it so we're really curious to hear all about that let us know in the comments below you can also join our discord we will be opening up a channel for oppenheimer uh, so you can have a discussion in there people keep joining every single day so thank you to everyone that has joined so far we really love all the love and support that you've given us we're having a great time in there you can follow us at the movie podcast on all social media platforms available out there there's more social media platforms opening day by day but guess what we're going to try to be on them as quickly as possible so do bear with us we also have some great content happening you could have been one of the lucky people that got to see oppenheimer early with us as well that was part of the deal you get to watch the movie and you might get to see us so sometimes our contests they play out like that so check out our instagram check out our twitter everywhere you go because guess what that is the spot to be at uh without taking up too much time i do want to kick it over to our first reaction because i know that there's a lot to talk about this movie there's a lot there's three hours and nine seconds of movie here and there's going to be a lot of thoughts and a lot of theories on it so daniel please give us your first reactions to christopher nolan's oppenheimer let's make this review three hours and 10 seconds just so we could uh we could outdo the movie uh listen oppenheimer is one of the most important films ever released. And I, and I say that as someone sitting in a movie theater with you three in the front row, mind you, we, we wanted to be the first ones to see it. We wanted to be the first one to see it. Oppenheimer is one of the most important movies ever released. And sitting there in the movie theater, watching it, not in 70 millimeter or not in IMAX, because that's, that's something that we'll talk about a little bit later. But watching it, and having that overwhelming feeling of being terrified, not because of something was going to jump out at me and scare me, but because what you were watching is history. It happened. And sitting there experiencing that and feeling the weights of these actions that we're not that far away from. Like this, these are, these are things that happened 80 years ago. That's still in our, like this generation, right? That's not that far away. And to see a nuclear bomb go off, we're so used to seeing spectacle films, massive movies, superhero movies, whatever, where explosions happen, you know, worlds and things like that. But there's something so raw and so personal and so intimate about the way Nolan shoots this film that I was just enthralled and I was gripping my seat rests, my armrests, so tight throughout. It's just mythic and massive filmmaking. And Christopher Nolan, uh, for me at least, I-, I really do believe Christopher Nolan is the best filmmaker working today. He is my favorite filmmaker working today. Every time he makes a new movie, he is doing it with 
the story in mind, the spectacle in mind, the visuals, the audio, everything that you go to a movie theater and you watch a Christopher Nolan movie and you feel like you are a changed person leaving it. And I have felt that with all of his films since Batman Begins. And I've spoken about that movie on the show. I've spoken about how The Dark Knight changed me and put me on the path of movies and all of that. But every time you leave a Christopher Nolan film, you feel like I just watched, you know, this is what I think of when we think of cinema. This is what we think of when we think of movies that will stand the test of time and are important and that matter and people will remember. And you look at the performances in Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy really getting his first leading role in a very long time. Obviously, he kills it on Peaky Blinders and he's always Nolan's support um, in his supporting cast for all of his films, basically. But what a performance he gives in this. And he almost he almost has the face of someone who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, literally. Because when you're when you're going into this world and you're creating something and you're working on creating something that if you push that button, you could either successfully detonate a nuclear bomb or you could set fire to the atmosphere and the world's done. And you literally are feeling that throughout the entirety of this movie. This movie has you like by the throat the entire time and it's funny I've, I've been seeing a lot of people comparing this movie to the social network and i get it i get those comparisons i guess through the you know because there are two different trials going on and we're cutting back and forth and so on um they're very different films obviously oh my gosh so much so much different they're, like they're so different but like yes i'm like <laughs> they're, they're yeah but like i get it in the surface level comparison where it's like yeah you have two different things going on and the, the trials and you're seeing what's happened and it's you know, very fast that. paced like it's very fast paced this is the one of the fastest three hours i've ever watched the movie we are we're in a time where we're getting a lot of longer movies and i think of some of my favorite movies this year like Spider-Verse, like Oppenheimer, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like Across the Spider-Verse that Mission are all Impossible. Mission Impossible that are all two and a half hour plus movies, but they are doing really well with their pacing. And, you know, the first the first I would say the first 20 minutes or so of this movie is setting up a lot. And then it just puts its, you know, it slams on the acceleration and it just it just holds you to the very end. And I literally was just blown away the entire time, even if we're just in a courtroom. No pun intended. You know, oh gosh, I literally didn't even think of that. But like, literally, if we're just in a courtroom or you're just hearing him talk, it feels like the most important sentence or phrase or conversation that's ever happened in history. There's a weight to everything that Nolan does. And there's just this scale to it that even if it's just a character sitting at a chair, smoking a cigarette, talking to their spouse or talking to another scientist, it feels like you're watching something that you're watching history unfold. And it's just breathtaking throughout. There's so much I want to talk about. And I, and I want to talk, I want to compartmentalize our review a little bit more. So we'll come back to the cinematography. We'll come back to the score. Obviously, this is just more of a, a first reaction. But it's just, it's what a gorgeous movie. What a monumental movie. And what an absolutely terrifying movie Oppenheimer is. Yeah, it's, you, you nailed it, man. Like there's a lot about this film, you know, there's there's three acts that I like to kind of, you know, place this film into. Now, the first act really is that setup. And for me, when we were watching it, I was like, okay, this is this is a little slow right now. You know, I feel like we're, we're really building up to something. And then when act two kicks in, it starts going so fast. You're like, 
oh my God, I'm not ready for this movie. And Act 3 kicks in and it's just blowing you away, literally. Uh, it's masterful. Oppenheimer is masterful. It's, it, there's a beautiful, beautiful, haunting scenery in this film. And I think everybody's performance in this movie, no matter how big of an actor they are, they might have the smallest of roles in, in the grand scheme of the film, but they leave such an impact. You look at someone like Rami Malek, who in the first two acts of this movie really isn't there and then kind of just has one scene and just floors you. And you're like, oh my God, this we were waiting for this guy to talk and this is what he has to say. It's incredible. I, I You keep hearing about um, you know, Killian Murphy. You keep hearing about Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon. They're all fantastic. I think one of the unsung heroes of this film, though, is Emily Blunt because holy shit. She absolutely kills it. She's so good in this movie. She's terrifyingly good in this movie. This is her best performance by far. And she's always good at whatever she does. So to know that right now that Nolan has just really pushed something out of her here, uh, it was fantastic. Fantastic. I absolutely had a great time with this movie. Um, there are things that I, I wish were a little different or things that I kind of wanted to expand on, but I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Anthony, please give us your first reaction to Oppenheimer as well. I thought Oppenheimer was extraordinary. I, I believe it's one of the most important films ever made. Um, this movie will challenge you with a story that a majority of the world, truthfully, is unaware of. And it tells, it tells it in a way that it involves scale and suspense and performances. And it captures this monumental event right in front of you. Um, Christopher Nolan's approach to Oppenheimer's story is met with huge achievements in storytelling, in cinematography, and post-production work. Um, just the idea of how he made this in less than two months and was able to shoot on film and edit on tape and and doesn't even hit a, a computer. Like it's just crazy to think that this was still achievable in 2023. Um, I think Oppenheimer's his greatest film after watching it. Uh, it delves into some of the most extreme, profound truths. And I can't stress this enough that the events in Oppenheimer recount a story of a man who is completely forgotten. These are real stories. Uh, this is a real event. This is not a fiction, a, a fictional or not. Is it non-fictional? It's not fiction. It's not fiction. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, when I, growing up, I learned about the Manhattan Project and I knew of the creation of the nuclear bomb in school, but I wasn't fully aware or understood the level of science being poured into this creation. And I always thought like, man, the Manhattan Project, I always had this cool name. It was a secret thing that happened during World War II, but like, really, I didn't know what was happening. And this movie really showcases what happens in that in los alamos and the what they achieved as scientists was god level significance you know like they created something that wasn't i don't even believe should have been created because it was just unreal um, and you see that fear right and i and love that we it. get to explore that where it's like they know once they've created like should we tell should we tell the nazis that this is possible like like that's like when you think about that it's like hold on you want to tell the people you're fighting that you just did something world-changing but you're doing it to warn them because that's how bad it is 
Like, yeah. think of that. It's think scary. That. The whole film yeah. is is literally a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. And like like Nolan captures all of that, and he builds a story that's nonlinear, and you know the the most Nolan possible way of telling the story. And you're captivated for like three hours. Like when I tell you, my eyes never left the screen. Like a a kernel never left my mouth. Like it was just <laughs> um like what? I just constantly like, was so focused. he was eating popcorn i was, was eating popcorn, popcorn. Oh, yeah. it never felt yeah, like you know like, like i never yeah. i never looked off screen i never i was completely captivated you were and there was i can attest to that this is a movie that's not a lot of it's like really story driven but nolan knows how to edit a story in such a way where you're just continuously you know connected to it and the way he he goes fast forward and uh and back in time and then to the to the moments where they were in Los Alamos building this bomb is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Killian Murphy as Oppie is insanity. <laughs> he the the level of detail into his character is insane. Um, for the majority of the movie, I I forgot that I was watching a movie. You know, like yeah. I I felt like, am I in this world? Like. It's almost like they captured it in real time because it felt. I felt so like it real. was a dream. You're engrossed right? into it, yeah. and that, and that's a, and that's the thing. And I think that's something that's so rare to Nolan, where it's like, I hundred percent because there's there's two things, Anthony. I'm so sorry to interrupt. No worries. There's two things that we do in movies sometimes that when we really love a movie or we really don't like a movie <laughs> is when we don't talk to each other. We didn't really talk to each other last <laughs> no. night, but it's also because I felt like we were all in a dream together watching this. Yeah. Like you feel transported, and that's what I think Nolan tries so hard to do is really make you feel like you are in it. It also felt like we didn't want to interrupt the movie. Like I, there was a point where like I wanted to say something to you, and I was like, "No, no, they're talking right now." I feel like I'd be rude, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's just it's. I just I felt so immersed that I felt like I was part of this event captured in time. It, it just it was just a feeling and again we didn't watch it in the way nolan wanted us to watch it so right. i feel like if we even watched it in imax 70 millimeter it would have just been like oh. so engrossing it would have just it, it sucked us in but yeah. you know this this is a fantastic film like killian's performance makes you it, it's almost like his eyes are so piercing yes. in this film yes um and i can't imagine what it's like to see it in imax and i know uh hoyt van hoytma he wanted to take this this medium of imax and make it more of a an intimate feel and i just can't wait to watch this in imax just to feel even more engrossed into it but it's it's a fantastic film i think it's his best um yeah it's so beautiful. The whole movie, just every frame of this film, you know, you, you've, you've watched the trailers and you see just kind of how it looks. It, it doesn't even begin to describe the experience. And again, I so wish we had the opportunity to watch this in IMAX 70 millimeter. We are very lucky here in Ontario that we currently have two operational IMAX 70 millimeter theaters. Would have been three, but one's in under renovation yeah. right now. So, Again, we're very lucky to have this as an opportunity, and I'm sure, actually, I'm sure, I know us three are going to go watch it in that format as soon as possible. But the tickets just keep selling out because <laughs> yeah, you really, 
it, while watching yesterday, I'm like, I can only imagine how much better this would look because it looked good for sure. But that's, I guess, my only gripe with my experience was that I know that it can look better. Like yeah. there was just this this level of immersion that gets created. I think back to when Daniel, you and I got to see Dunkirk, the opening first frame of that movie, you and I audibly went, oh shit. Like, yeah. We were shocked. It's scary, right? Because it's just soldiers walking down a street. <laughs> just paper just floating in the air. But when you see something that feels larger than life, you are literally looking at something like instantly. You're just like, I'm in it. And then that's all I'm seeing. And you are there. And that's what's so amazing with IMAX. And, I, and that's why I so wish we got to see it for the first time in IMAX. I, we're going to see it in IMAX. We are going to see it. We have to see it. We have to see it. We're going to see it in IMAX. So I'm not worried about it, that. shake on it, guys. I don't like that. I don't like that one. We're, we're we going to Photoshop. Someone's going to Photoshop something there. We're going to see it in IMAX, and, and I'm not worried about that, but it's it's just funny that you know we didn't even get to see it in proper 70 millimeter because that was the thing. We're going to see the we 70 millimeter. We watched it on an Apple Watch. That was <laughs> the weirdest part about it. Someone but, just had their wrist up. Yeah, but apparently you know the, there was an technical issues or got lost by FedEx. These things happen. I'm just glad that we got it was still available to watch. So the FedEx was, yeah. guy for sure is is pirating that film right now. He's got an IMAX theater at his house right now. He's like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching, I'm I'm watching Oppenheimer. Digitize this. He's an elaborate FedEx Dude, guy. Dude, I was telling yeah. I was telling Daniel, like, imagine this guy just shows up to one of those digitizing houses, like home movie type of Yeah. yeah. I need yeah, you yeah, to yeah. digitize this film for me. It's wait, you know, why is this, ele- is this is this eleven miles long? Why do you why so do you why have is this much such film? a long reel? Is this Oppenheimer? No, no, no. No, no it's my uh great grandfather's home videos oh okay. from the from the war from the war is your grandfather Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? <laughs> yes yes he is <laughs> um you know we, we i want to quickly talk about don't say no here. doesn't have to be quickly man okay i want to take a long long Please. time yeah and and really stretch this one out uh how are you guys doing no uh, i want to <laughs> talk about the score here please because ludwig Gorenson, who if you don't know his name by now friend of the show Friend of the show, exactly. He's been on our show. If you don't know his name by now, then you are sorely missing out on some of the best music that you've ever heard. Not even just in film, but you know, you look back to his his career when working with Childish Gambino and, and so on and so forth. What a! I just I remember the, the when the opening sequence. There's a moment where you know Oppenheimer is just kind of looking straight out. This is not a very it's not a very memorable moment in the sense of how it looks, but the music that kicks in, I was like, oh, this is beautiful. This is gorgeous. It is so good. It reminded me a lot of what Tenet did, but then stripped down yeah. and just kind of taking the best elements of it because it was phenomenal. It's truly haunting. It's truly haunting. This is some of Ludwig's best work. Obviously, he he every score that he's done, obviously, we've seen him do for Tenet and for Black Panther and, and for so many others. Um this is some of his most haunting work because so much of this film is in the sound design. It's in the the visual effects. And I'm just like counting down the seconds right now, waiting for the soundtrack to release because I just want to watch it and experience it and just sit outside and like have my headphones on noise canceling and spatial just get, audio, spatial audio and just get lost in it. Cause it really is some of the most immersive work that Ludwig's ever done. Um, and to see that with the screen, I, I I'm so glad that Nolan is working with him. You know, Nolan had a bit of a shakeup with cinematographers and composers now uh, with, you know, Hoyt joining the team Nolan and, with interstellar and then you know ludwig joining for tenet 
And I'm really hoping that he keeps them around for a little while. Because when you look at the run that Nolan had with Wally Pfister and with Hans Zimmer, he Nolan is in a new era right now. And it's funny, like we, you know, when when Barbie came out and we people were talking about like, you know, like Oscar noms, this, this, this. I think Oppenheimer is Nolan's best chance right now at getting a best picture nom and best picture win and, and best i know director, we, come on and, and and best director and best score and best cinematography and best visual <laughs> best, effects best everything you know nolan usually does really well with the technical awards at, at the at the academy awards and i know we don't really predict or like to talk about that stuff but when you look at what this film is it's how, how does it not be at the front of the pack right now and uh, you know I, I was thinking of this movie a, a lot today because we just watched it last night and i was getting vibes also of like oliver stones like jfk because this also feels like a movie Oppenheimer is like a movie that we don't get very often we get a lot of biopics but this is like uh you don't get character studies like this yeah anymore. a character study this is like a character this is a bio blockbuster yeah. in the sense like this is massive and you're going to like Oppenheimer's going to have a really good opening weekend and I think it's going to make a lot of money at the box office and I think that's just the power of who Christopher Nolan is now as a director that you could put his name on something you're telling a story about the creation of the atomic bomb and uh, of Oppenheimer who a lot of people really don't know or think about today and we know that, uh, and there's a line in the film, obviously, I don't want to spoil who said it or when it said, but like people don't care about who made it. People care about who dropped the bomb, right? And now that we're getting something that's very much a deep character study told on this scale, we need more movies like this. And, I, and I'm, I'm so happy that Nolan is out there leading the charge, you know, on the technical side, on the, you know, on the, the sanctity of what cinema and what movie theaters should be. I'm so glad Oppenheimer's getting three weeks in IMAX exclusively. One, so we could have time to go watch it, but also so that people could go. And I'm so glad that this is, you know, really filling up IMAX screens. Like it is very hard to get tickets for it in IMAX. And I think that's really cool. Like, cause for a movie, it's, you would expect that for, superhero films or other big blockbusters but not for a movie like this and it's awesome that it's happening um i also really wanted to talk about some other performances in the film florence Pugh, i think uh not in the movie a lot but anytime she is on screen she is just so uh captivating captivating, so captivating. you know she is wonderful in this movie and i'm just like man she is she has like this old hollywood feel to her like she just feels like an actress from another time and seeing her in IMAX, uh, like more just shot with IMAX, but seeing her, you empathize with her character a lot too. You do, and she just she just looked uh, incredible and just sounded incredible and just per performed beautifully. Um, but also Robert Downey Jr., who steals every scene he's in. He is one of the greatest living actors right now, and I think getting to see him really act and not to say that what he did at the marvel or avengers wasn't that it, he's incredible in those films he brings so much of those movies but seeing him in a performance like this is so different and i'm just like man i just hope nolan and downey keep working together like just like he keeps bringing kenneth Branagh back or killian murphy you know nolan and downey like stay working together because you're you're creating incredible incredible work
no Michael Caine in this one. I mean, not that I, you know, not that we saw or heard him, which is a huge deal for Nolan because Nolan's had Michael Caine in pretty much everything uh, from the bat from Batman Begins. You know, even in even in Dunkirk, he was a voice on the on the radio. So to to not have him in this, I thought I literally thought at one point the camera would pan, maybe Michael Caine just like a bomb, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the line that he wrote for him. A bomb. I, huh? I was just searching it right now, and someone's like, "Yes, he's actually in it." He he voices the explosion. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, God. yeah, exactly. That's God. exactly what I said. But you know, you know who else? Sorry, really quickly. I know, I know that you were also shouting out to people. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Wow. Where what you a been, buddy? Performance, man. Yeah. What a performance. He is so. He's in this movie a lot, and he is so damn good in this movie. I was like, damn. Like you, he got to be part of two World War II films. You know, you look back at Pearl Harbor, you look back at this now. It's like, man, this guy's just killing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the, I think the whole cast, like every single person who had a line in this film, um, gave it their all. I think they knew the amount what what this movie meant to Nolan and what this movie means in the grand scheme of cinema. I think they all knew what it what had to be done, and they all brought their uh, their A game. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, uh, Benny Safdie, A bomb game. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt Damon. Man, like yeah, Matt Damon. Damon. At, he just he just at, he sells it. He's so good, and yeah, I, and I love. You uh, him. Did you guys see that news story that came out? He's like, yeah, like I I was in like couples therapy with my oh, wife, yeah. and like I made a promise to her that like I would take a break from acting unless Christopher Nolan called me, then I'd, yeah. I'd go. And and here he is. Uh, but I love that you know Nolan spoke a lot about the scientists that were assembled at the time, and you know we were talking about this together. Um, and he was saying that, yeah, like the scientists who were assembled really were like the rock stars of their mm-hmm. time. And I like that they, that Nolan actually cast a lot of well known actors for these roles, even if it's for just a scene. Because immediately when you see them and you recognize them, subconsciously you're just like, oh, this person's important because I recognize them. I know who they are. Yeah. And then you're hearing these names. And it's funny, time is, works in a very funny way. And obviously, I don't, it became such a funny thing online with with uh, Einstein in this movie. Oh, um, the way that the way the crowd cheered when he showed up on screen, yeah, it was like, it was like Avengers level. Yeah, man. it's just like it's like you know Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man. It's like yeah. Einstein showing up, which is like oh my god, Einstein. But it, it's just cool because like you think of these characters, you not these characters, you think of these people. They're real people as such mythical beings at this point, such people in history that almost don't feel like they were real people. Um, but you see them and you see the time period that they live through and it's it really is something special. It's it's really, really cool. And, and, and this is a movie that I think a lot of people will watch and go back to and remember and rewatch and get something new from it every single time. I was I was saying to you guys that we watched I watched a documentary about the building mm-hmm. of the bomb and they had a, and at, I guess that time they had st- there were still scientists that were still alive and they interviewed them and. I was watching it and then I would look for their names and then put them into IMDb search to see who's playing them. And like literally every scientist and there was like 4,000 people on, on this, uh, on this, the building of this bomb. But like the majority of these scientists all have their name connected to yeah. a, a great actor who's playing them. I think, and even if it was just for a scene um, or for a bigger scene, they all like like I said, they all took part in this this history making film to make sure that I think that, like I 
I don't know. I didn't grow up in that time period. So I don't know what these scientists look like because it wasn't part of my world. And I was so far disconnected, but I'm always connect. I'm always really interested in history, especially anything that's happened during world war II. Um, but it was amazing to see these scientists be played out um, and have their time on screen and to be told, like to have their story told. Uh, and just, I think it's just, again, it restarts that history and it keeps that history going. I think a lot of people will come out of this saying, okay, I want to learn more about these people and what happens in the future after, after yeah. Salamos and after Oppenheimer. Um, but yeah, man, like, the things that they were able to to achieve with this film is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I, visits, I've been. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Shay. No, I was just saying visits to the library are going to spike dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Or like, like just like the Wikipedia entries. Like, I, I, like, I wish Wikipedia would be like, oh, look at the spikes of people going to <laughs> this page today. Um, but yeah, it's it, like, like Anthony. I've been watching a lot of World War II movies leading up to this film. Um, I've been watching a lot of different documentaries and YouTube videos about Oppenheimer. Uh, there's a really great PBS one that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I, I think what's also interesting with Oppenheimer, with Christopher Nolan's perspective, and he and, and when he wrote this script in the first person as well too, this is not a movie that glorifies Oppenheimer either. And I, and I think that's really important because I think there's it's easy to have a lot of discourse around who his character is and why he's responsible for some of the greatest atrocities that exist in this world. The fact that nuclear bombs exist in this world come from what he was leading in uh, with the Manhattan Project and everything, right? And when you think of what happened in Japan twice, like it's disgusting. And I, and I like that we get to see um, Killian Murphy's performance have that weigh on him. And see it literally eat away at him as a character that literally there's multiple times in this movie that characters tell him to eat because he looks so just like a skeleton. Um, this movie is not glorifying um, what's happened. It's makes it this is a this is like a a cold bucket of water to the face in the sense mm -hmm. of like you're going to leave Oppenheimer with your heart in your stomach. And because you're going to feel so just like, holy shit, like this is the world we live in now because of what happened here. And I, and I like that it is not like a, like we're look at the, our success. We did it. Yes, they did. But look at the cost. And I think there's a lot of world war two movies that will gloss over the fact of, yeah, we we're dropping bombs. We're killing people, but because we're the winners of it, we get to write history and we get to celebrate it. But there is a very, dark side there's a such a dark side to this movie of grappling with the fact that oppenheimer really is one of the most important people who's ever lived and the world we're living in is a post manhattan project world and that's just the reality of it and you're going to leave oppenheimer feeling like i think a little more scared than you were going in truly yeah I'm glad you said that because you're right in the in the movie when you know they're cheering and they're happy about it. In other movies about stuff like this, that moment is meant to feel joyous. But yeah. you're seeing the reaction of of Oppenheimer. You're seeing Killian Murphy's eyes just sunken in, really, like you know, just probably living off of cigarettes and apples. That's all he probably ate. Yeah, and you just you look at him and you're like, 
this is not a moment to be proud of. This is such a devastating moment. And you start to feel the weight of that. And it, like, what a, I don't know. Like, you, you look back at this film, you keep thinking about this movie over and over, and it's like, there's no way you can watch this movie once and be satisfied. You, you have to watch this movie over and over again. Yeah. Because that's the only way you'll be able to understand the depth of the severity of what happened. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to understand what the thinking was. We weren't at war. Oppenheimer knew the Nazis were building a bomb. He was Jewish. He knew what Hitler was doing. There was a lot of people, a lot of scientists that were Jewish as well, who came from um, other parts of the world that dealt with fascism and communism. The, the, the idea of like being um, slaves. And so there was a lot of thinking that goes behind why this bomb was ever created. Um, you know, you think this bomb was created to save the world. And in many ways, maybe it has. Like, you know, now that we have these bombs and it's never happened before, it's never happened after, uh, except like there was that the close call in during the 60s when it was uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. But it's interesting that maybe if this bomb wasn't created, where we where we would be, right? You know, would it would it just be more war? Or now that we have something that destroys us, do we understand the consequences right. of those things? Or so, would another nation build it first yeah. because we decided? And not I to, think right? that like a hundred percent would have happened. That's and that's so scary, right? And and I like that. Again, I, I'm saying I like that. Like I respect that this movie didn't showcase. Um, things that you would expect other World War II movies to show. You're not seeing gratuitous amounts of violence in this movie. There really isn't anything that we see of the front or any of uh, of the war of the battle itself because that's not what this movie is about. You just see the horrifying and earth-shattering change that comes with the consequences of building uh, something that could destroy the world. And isn't it crazy that that alone, like just the the notion of knowing what's happening is scarier than not seeing it? Like you, yeah. you think about movies that, you know, really have to show you to get you scared. In this movie, they just have to tell you mm-hmm. and then you're horrified. You're absolutely horrified from that point yeah. on. What a what a what a film. Uh, unless you have anything else to say, guys, maybe we can jump over to our final recommendations and then give our recommendation of what order you should watch Barbenheimer. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Daniel, let's kick it off to you. Uh, what would you like to give our final recommendation for Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan's most important film. It's his most terrifying film, and it really cements mr nolan as one of the greatest directors to ever live to ever make movies oppenheimer is a real gem thank you for that anthony what about yourself oppenheimer is a real gem for me as well it is an important film um i don't recommend going in blind i think you should have a little bit of an idea of what you're watching. So maybe do a little bit of research, understand it because there is a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of political stuff that goes behind the scenes. Uh, But it is very important to know. I think even for yourself, 
and this movie is not meant for everyone right like it's not meant for every single person uh its subject matter is very serious and just like schindler's list was very serious this is very serious and i think um if you do your due diligence and you do a little bit of research you'll understand why it's so serious and what we got on the big screen showcases everything that you will not get in those wikipedia pages just the dramatic the dramatic aspect of it and um also it being shot in IMAX and just being immersed into it. It is a real gem. And yeah, that's it. That's all I can say. No, that's perfect. And I'm right there with you guys. It's a real gem. This is a very important film. It's a very intense film. It's a very heavy film. So for that reason as well, if you're looking for your Barbenheimer recommendation for myself, I would say do Barbie first because that's light. It's, no, it's so man. Fun. No, I'm serious. <laughs> what? Do it first. Yeah, because... The weight of Oppenheimer is so intense that even if you try to watch Barbie after, you're gonna be like, "All those people died, huh?" Like, the whole time, like I'm just like I wouldn't be able to focus. If yeah. it was me personally, I wouldn't yeah. be able to focus on Barbie because I'm still reeling in from I, you Oppenheimer. Know what? I I respect that because yeah, Oppenheimer is such a gut punch at the end of the movie. Um, you want to go yeah, right to bed after? Yeah, you you want to you almost want to go home and marinate on that. So I I totally respect if people do Barbie first. Um, I didn't really think of it that way until now. So I'm like, yeah, like you, you definitely would. I mean, you definitely would want to pick me up. Don't get me wrong. If you <laughs> like afterwards, so I, you could go either way, you but can, I, yeah. I told, I totally understand what, what you're saying though, touche. Cause if you want this movie to marinate with you, I don't know the mindset that I would be in. You know, luckily we, we watched Barbie first and we watched Oppenheimer a couple days later. But yeah, I don't know what kind of mindset I would be in if I'm watching these movies for the first time and I leave Oppenheimer and just be like, well, I'm depressed. Yeah. Now I get to see a very pink and colorful yeah. movie. Yeah. Like right. not until like halfway through Barbie would I be like, oh yeah, this is I'm, life. I'm alive. I'm alive again. I, re- I, re- <laughs> I, re- I recommend watching Barbie because if you watch Oppenheimer first, you're still going to be affected when you watch Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, it's, it's still going to linger on you. It's still going to be like, this feeling this uneasy feeling and i i think that might ruin your your experience with watching barbie because it's like it's so joyful and it's so bubbly and poppy and 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 it's just beautiful to see and i uh yeah i would say watch barbie first go to the party and then watch oppenheimer (laughs) and and be the downer after the party (laughs) and just be in depression for the next uh for the rest of summer for the rest of sad boy summer summer. but in in again like it's a beautiful film like i think you gotta you gotta find a way to to watch it in imax because i think that's one of the the only ways to watch this um Mm -hmm. there are light-hearted moments in this film even though the subject matter is uh very serious but um yeah, man, everything's so interesting. These films are so interesting. I, I'm glad that Christopher Nolan was able to tell this story because I think it's like again, it's very important. Even though we're not in a nuclear war now, there's no nuclear holocaust and all that, and we could be <sighs> yeah, like all but, depressed about but it. We're, we're the closest but, like, we've ever been on the on the we doomsday clock. We're like 90 seconds to midnight. Yeah, well, but it's, you know and what? It's Here's scary, the story. You know? like my mom uh-oh. grew up during um the cuban missile crisis she would tell me these stories about like yeah i would go to school and i would do like the you know hide under the table because uh that's like we they would practice all these things and she told me a story about the day that the you know the americans and the soviets had this issue like this 
missile crisis and that my grandmother, my nonna, would walk, came running to school and pulled her out of school. And she said, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. And that was, I think, the closest you've ever experienced. And, and then learning about the history and all that stuff after. And I think the two presidents, JFK and uh, uh, I forgot the Russian uh, Khrushchev or something they how they realized like man we can't do this we were just because there's no sense because who wins when you kill the whole world like who wins it doesn't make sense um but yeah man that's scary i think that was more scarier than now because you know it was real it was very very real at that time yeah wow that was very intense yeah well to bring it home Hmm. I want to give a huge shout out to our friends over at Universal Pictures for inviting us to come watch this movie. We are definitely going to go see it again. So I'm sure we'll give our thoughts on the main episode about what our experience is like watching this in IMAX 70 millimeters. So that's going to be a very, very interesting discussion. And again, if you have seen this movie or you're going to watch this movie or you're doing Barbenheimer this weekend, let us know which order you watch the movies in by either commenting down below, uh, tweeting to us, writing a comment on our Instagram, but the one of the best places to do it where you're going to get an immediate answer is our Discord because people are joining that thing like crazy. So go ahead, join our Discord, have a conversation in there about what you think uh, about this movie and whatever else we've talked about today. Uh, again, Oppenheimer will be released exclusively in theaters July 21st. So go ahead, give it a watch. You've got all three of our seals of approval here. So you know it's going to be a great film. You're going to have a great time with that. That was This Time with the Movie Podcast, and we'll see you next. Star Wars meets Platoon. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story like you've never heard before. At 17, Solomon Kwai joins the Imperial Army, becoming part of the Galactic War Machine. But will he survive? Get down! Lead the way and list today. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story. Available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your favorite podcast.